going down the face and all the way back. So it's actually May 1st, 2021. And that's exciting because then we're at a whole new month. That means it's like May, two days until birthday. And then it's like a few more days after that until a Mother's Day, which I love celebrating Mother's Day with strawberries. I don't know if I'll get them this year because I, I, I got onto the order late when they had already submitted all of the orders for a bulk supply of plants to come. So if there's any extras, then hopefully I'll get like one or two strawberry plants. Who knows? Then um, I'm really excited for my birthday because I feel like I'm a really good celebrator of my birthday. I feel like there's a lot of people out there that will just wait for somebody else to do a birthday for them, but I'm like literally one of those people that are like, no siree. Like I am so happy <laughs> to make my own birthday exactly the way that I want it and, and just make it happen because like I spent so many years with just waiting around for somebody to do my birthday and like I'm like done with that, right? Like I spent the first 12 years of my life waiting for somebody else to do a birthday for me and that was not a deal, right? Like my parents grew up where they just did Chinese New Year. They didn't do birthdays. They didn't do Christmas, Easter, none of that like holiday fun stuff that like this culture seems to somehow bring up and be like, oh, every day's a holiday. We're like, I'm sure they grew up in a culture where like you just run and do like what makes sense because you live in a world where you literally have to make all your food. You literally have to be the only one that cleans your house and, and like you just have your life to do. Like, and you probably don't have a lot of time for a lot of celebrations because you're just doing your life. And so um, that's all good. So I'm just really grateful for the life that I get to live though, because like this morning I made like, I made like three recordings already. The first one was about like my precursor to like looking forward to my teaching life of like teaching yoga and um, testifying about scriptures and things and like different experiences that I'm looking forward to with combining those two aspects of my teaching life. Um, and like when I say teaching, I'm like teaching like mom people and friends and stuff and like anybody else in the world. Like, cause I, I have friends that I call friends, but they're like really just like, I'm really fan, I'm big fans of them because they're like author people in my life that I love to write letters with. And so those are the kind of people that I'm teaching. Like people that would be like my author kind of friends and I would be like the author and they would like become friends with me because they find out about the stuff that I'm making and they like use it in their daily life and they just like give me feedback about what they like about it and and what what's working for them and like what they hope that I might create one day because they really appreciate the voice that I have to share about the things that I like. Similar to how like I have certain authors then I'll write them letters every so often and be like, um, hey, do you think you could create like this version of what you're doing? Because I think it would be really helpful because you're such a good explainer of these concepts in this specific way. And I just love the way you do that. So could you like create something like this? And every so often they're like, actually, it's in the making right now. I'm just really busy with this other stuff, but those things are yet to come. And I'm like, oh, good, thank you. I have something to look forward to, like that's gonna be created by this like amazing artist person. So that's awesome. I love that life. And the other life that I live is like, so that was the first recording I made, then the second was like something about um, getting ready for the Book of Mormon. I was pretty much all about getting ready to read the Book of Mormon stuff. 
And that was really fun, because it was just like, hey, I really love the Book of Mormon for these reasons, last time I read it. These were the two big things I got away from it, and I shared, hey, like, I really liked how I was able to see the depths of like, oh, I really like this book because it's me getting to appreciate someone else's culture and their family history. I love that. And then there, the other part I really liked about it is like the whole aspect that like, hey, I get to read this book and literally it is, it is one, it helps me to learn how to build my confidence to learn three more languages, right? Because it's kind of a language in itself. It's like, like it's a language in itself being translated into English, right? So I'm sure like the Egyptian, whatever language it was in, it has their own style of how they communicate things, right? In the same way that like, like for me learning French, it's been a journey. And so lately I've, I've figured out something about myself. This is like a review of my last podcast. This whole concept that like there's, I don't really have, it's not like I'm not good at certain things. Like I've been telling myself this story, like I'm not good at cleaning, not good at like homeschool, teaching stuff, not good at like whatever it is I could say I'm not good at. But the, the deal is it's not that I'm not good at it, it's that I have like a, I have a real disability in being able to focus. And so it's like I might have an intent to want to do something, but because I kind of live on a totally different time zone than everyone else, it's like I, I, I flitter between time zone to time zone to time zone instead of just sticking with one time zone and just kind of like sticking it out because I get so bored so fast, like rapid fast speed. If you need somebody to get bored of, of something in rapid speed, I will be your racer, you know, like, and, and so that's kind of my deal is like, I get bored really fast. And so it, the thing that helps me when I notice there's something I really want to get to that, that I get bored so fast in, I've noticed that I need to give myself an extra challenge because then that keeps my focus. For example, I have a hard time reading scriptures every day. It's really boring for me if I just do that, plain out, verse to verse. But if I add in French in there, then it makes it interesting for me because I have a hard enough time understanding every single word in the French language that and then it makes it exciting for me. You know, like today I read one verse, sorry, one paragraph in the title page of the Book of Mormon in French, and then I challenged myself to summarize it in French, and then I read the English version to kind of confirm what, what I learned. And, and that was a really healthy way for me to do that because it was challenging enough, so I actually did it, and it was worthwhile enough for me to do it because it was a challenge. And I knew I wouldn't get bored of it because clearly it's hard enough. I, it's hard for me to get bored of things that are hard enough but are challenging enough and fun. It's like hard fun, fun hard, fun challenge kind of stuff. So that is something that I'm really grateful for in my life to figure out that I, it's not that I'm not good at things, it's just I, I have yet to find a challenge that is fun enough in that topic for me to actually commit to and be like, yeah, this is fun enough and this is going to be a challenge enough for me to be like, yep, let's keep doing it. I will do this for a whole year, right? Like one challenge I had was like, let's make a podcast. Let's see how fast I can get to 365 podcasts in a year. And I think I got there in like six months. That was so epic. So that was like a fun challenge for me. And like my challenge right now is to do the whole French Book of Mormon thing and Book of Mormon reading. And I really am gonna do it for all of the stand works because really my, my, my big goal is to learn three more Chinese dialects, Mandarin, Cantonese, and Toisanese. 
And as I'm doing that, I'm building my confidence with French, which I already know at least well enough to read it and just grapple it and, and do that. So then once I get to these other languages, it's like no big deal. Like I already know French, I'm already bilingual. I can do this, right? Even if it takes me all until through eternity to really understand, because maybe it'll take me until I die and I'm hanging out with my ancestors to really be immersed in an environment where everybody speaks Chinese, right? Because I don't know when's the next time I'm gonna live in a place where everybody speaks Chinese. Like I have yet to have ever lived that way and I, I have yet to see that that is in my future, like legitimately, right? Like I always have these dreams and these ideas like, oh yeah, one day I wanna serve a mission in China or all of these kinds of things, but like I don't have it set in stone yet. Like I don't have the plane tickets, I don't have the, um, the travel plan and, and all of it yet. But it's, it's in the works, like I'm really excited about it. Cause seriously, when I was reading the Book of Mormon today, one of my big revelations was like, why do I love reading this book so much? I love reading it so much because when I read it, it doesn't just inspire me because it's an amazing book in itself. And the whole sheer fact of it is to help people draw closer and become even more attached with their savior who died for them. Like that's that in and out of itself is awesome. The other underlying fact why I love reading it so much too is because it gets me excited to do my family history work to the point where I am literally so committed to my family history because like I actually kind of in my own personal theory about life feel like there's some golden plates hidden in China and they're going to be revealed one day and they're going to have the histories of the people there interacting with Christ in the same way that there was golden plates here hidden in America for people to find about their interactions with Christ right like I love that the people here were had enough faith and were that like committed to wanting to find answers to their questions that they were they had enough faith to uncover the golden plates in this continent right and so i just can't wait to build up the faith of all the people in china so that we can discover our golden plates right like i feel like it's happening right like i i, I get to participate with this group that does chinese genealogy and and i love it right like i would be totally pleased to become a philanthropist and totally support this company for the rest of my life and just like work for them, help them out, like, and just do that because I just think it is such a worthwhile work. So I'm just totally smitten about that whole idea. And I'm so smitten that I get to have this conversation interview thing with, with the, the creator of the company soon. Um, I watched a documentary about him the other day, just like about his journey through finding his own family history ever since he was 12. He was super interested. That looks so, so cute. Um, he was super interested in his family history. And you know, like all the people around him, he grew up in Holland, they'd be like, oh, you're Chinese. And he'd be like, well, no, I'm not. I'm like you. And that's kind of the same upbringing I felt. It's like, I was the only Chinese-ish person around and people would say I'm Chinese. I'm like, but I'm not. And you know, there was such a disconnect. But then he decided to answer all those questions he had. He's like, well, what is my history? What is everything? And he, he started searching. And then he finds this huge temple with this huge family tree. And he's like related to all these people and he like knows how to read them all now. And then so he helps, he's created a, his, as his life mission basically to make it so everybody else can have the same opportunity to find their own heritage and and feel the things he's had the opportunity to feel from his own research, right? 
So I'm like, sweet, sweet, sweet. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if I, you know, maybe have to repeat Pathway again and, and do the whole BYU Idaho thing just so I can become like a family history expert specialist person. Because that's like a legit thing. I think there's like a certificate or degree about becoming like a family history person. And I'm like, sweet. Like, if I could do that, I would totally do that. I would feel so fulfilled, right? Like, I talked to my um, family member every so often because that's his profession. And, and I talked to him like, so what is it like when you do this? He's like, it's so cool. He loves his job so much. Like he thinks that, like, I don't know if he thinks it, but I think he is. I think he's a superhero in his job. And he gets to just like find all these histories of these people. And he gets to like save them, right? Like he gets to like save them from becoming ignorant and not knowing who they are, like from a historical level, right? And it's just such a beautiful work that he gets to help assist with. And I'm just blown away. I'm like, I like the bug hit me when I got to help work with them, like when I first got married and got to do like a four month project or whatever. And ever since then, I just, I haven't forgotten those feelings of being like, this is a beautiful work. Like everything about it, you know, like, like, it just is, right? Like, it's just absolutely beautiful. It's like being an artist of somebody else's, and like, you get to be a painter of with all these people that you get to find real names for, right? Like, like an artist uses colors like blue, green, yellow, and all of this, right? But like a person that's like a family historian, like specialist person, they get to be this person that like, is able to use people's names and paint this beautiful family tree. And that's what like, that's what I see. It's like, yeah, I can't see anything more beautiful than that, than being like an artist of someone else's family tree. Like, sweetness. Like, I love that. I love that so much. So anyways, one of my dreams is to become like an uh, artist, author, illustrator of like children's picture book series. You know, kind of like how there's these people out there that will like spit out like a hundred books a year or something about like ch with like children's stories and stuff. I want to be able to find all the Chinese history stories there are about little children and like their lives and I want to put them into picture book form. And, and I want that to be a thing. Like I want people to talk about it as if it's like the Berenstein Bears, right? Like there's like 400 books of the Berenstein Bears. There needs to be like 400 books of like Chinese like little person history, right? Like, I'm just like totally smitten about that. And I'm so grateful that I get to like do the dishes because I am starving. Like I am just like so starving. And I like, I don't have anybody else to blame about that. And I need to be doing these dishes so I can like do something about it because I can't be like screaming at other people and be like, why haven't you fed me yet? Like, excuse me, you need to stop your whole life so you can sit down and spoon feed me because I am hangry, right? So thankfully, I can be in at least a state to like rub soap together and like put things into things and like rinse things and like put them into like containers so that they can be like sorted even further. Thankfully, I have people in my life that are supportive in that way, which is like amazing, right? Like I'm literally like not living on an island by myself and trying to like do the hangry thing all by myself. And like, like I have other people with me to do this with. And like, we can all be hangry together, right? Like, like it's glorious hangry morning. And I'm just so grateful that I still have arms to use and I can just like soak this, sud that, like rinse this, 
rinse that and like and it works right like I'm really grateful that I got to watch my mom be super speedy at like dishwashing like to the point where I used to be like I can't wait till the day when my hands are that fast and skilled that they can just like wash dishes and they can just like do it and it doesn't even have to be a trial it just happens like in the blink of an eye right and and I'm just like so grateful stages of my life it's like something happens to a person when they have born a child birth them and nurse them and change their every diaper for like six years and done it like five times over it's like something happens to the muscle memory of a person that has that level of dexterity with their fingers and their muscles and stuff to the point where it's like you know I, I used to feel very weak as a like a young person like a young girl and I used to like my my dad used to call them chicken arms He'd be like, you have chicken arms. You have no muscle. Like, I need to pick this up for you. And I was like, no, I don't have chicken arms. I have muscle. And then I would like always fight him about it, be like, I don't have chicken arms. <laughs> and like, it was just always like in joking and fun, right? Um, but like, seriously, I had chicken arms. Like, I had chicken arms, right? Like, all throughout my life until I became a mom and, and had all these babies to like hold and like change their diapers. And then suddenly, like, I would start picking up different things and be noticing, oh, hey, I'm able to, like, pick this up. Like, this used to be really hard for me to do. Like, I used to not be able to use my hands this way. They were not this strong before, right? And then probably in, in the midst of also gardening life and everything. So it's like, it's been really cool for me to learn. Yes. So this girl, she put her finger in the door when I was closing it one time, and then it got all, like mangled a little bit and then so we we did this thing where we glued it back but now it's coming off and so we're just going to clip it and so then she can know that it's going to get better and we're going to put a band-aid on top so that's the the deal of what's going on here it's like the nail is falling off now even though it's healed under and that's why it's so great because it's like it's healed enough under the nail so that now the top nail can just fall off and we can get a nice band-aid and we can cover it up and she's turning two in a couple days here like that's so exciting I love this I'm gonna have a two-year-old so this is gonna be so epic okay so we have this nail we just glued it a couple weeks ago it's just kind of like falling off a little we'll just get the parts that are still falling off and we'll just check out the nail that's on top. And it's gonna be fine. Seek it, Eli. <laughs> and we're just gonna put a nice little band-aid on top. Yeah. And there's gonna be a new nail that grows on top. And it's gonna be beautiful. We're just putting this band-aid on right now anyways so when I was like doing my mom life thing I always wished that I had some kind of chronicles of a mom life because seriously this is the stuff you never get to learn you don't get to learn this stuff in school you don't get to learn it from movies because nobody's gonna make a movie about what a mom does on a day-to-day -day basis nobody's gonna have a school about how what a mom does like and how to become a mom kind of thing like that's just not a school that's created because it's a thankless job right like 
Like, and I say that in the most warm toned kind of way, right? It's like it's a thankless job in the sense that it's all volunteer work, right? Like there's not, people have not created schools to teach people how to do things that are not going to make the money, right? Like that's like something that's super enticing for so many people in the world today. It's like they won't do anything unless they're motivated by money, right? And so it's like, what if I could like create a society of people where it's like people want to do things because it's it's the best service that you could be offering to people for their well-being, not because you can make the most money, right? Because that's kind of my whole mission, right? It's like I, I could have been traveling the world doing humanitarian stuff. I could have been like an, an international ambassador. I could probably be a lawyer. I could probably be a doctor. Like I could be anything, right? But I specifically chose, I was like, well, okay, but what am I here to do, right? What, what am I here to do that no one else can do, right? Like I could go and help someone filter their water for like, so that the rest of their life they could have water, right? Like, and, and I could be remembered as that person that did that, right? Like, sure, I could do that. But then when I thought about it really clearly as this 18-year-old young person, it was like, it became pretty clear pretty fast. It was like, but honestly, though, if I'm going to go and volunteer my life away and like, you know, just just give my life to something that is meaningful to me, like the most meaningful that I could ever give, it just became clear. It was like, well, then I just got to be a mom, right? Like, I just got to be a mom. I got to do the birth the child thing. Like, I got to do the raise the child thing. I got to help them out throughout their life thing. And I honestly feel like that will be the best job that I will ever do in my whole life to be committed to people that way. Because I really believe in the power of a mother. I actually do. And and like, you know, as I started my momhood journey five years into it, it became pretty clear that like I was just working against the grain. Most people look at moms, stay-at-home moms, as like barefooted, like crazy people that are just kind of couch potatoes, just kind of like, just kind of like, almost like living off welfare kind of style. Like that, that's kind of how stay-at-home moms are, have been kind of viewed in my perspective anyways. And thankfully, I could, you know, kind of run out of that, you know, like, and be like, actually, no. Like, we're not just that, right? Like, maybe some days we're like that, maybe on a PMS week or something like that, just because you need to survive somehow through all of the struggles of, like, pressures of life and your body going through so many, like, changes at one time. That's okay, right? But that's only, like, once a week or, like, once a month, like, maybe 12 times a year, like, 10, like... 10 times a year, maybe somebody is like that, right? But like for the most part, all the moms I know, you know, like are like hardcore, like if they were in any other profession, they would be like the CEO, like like hardcore millionaire of whatever business they were doing, right? But they're choosing to pump that energy and that life and effort into their into their life as a stay-at-home mom, homemaker, home designer, um, mother person, right? Like teaching their kids, loving their husbands, like, and I don't even say it like that. Like I say teaching the kids and loving their husbands in that order in this exact moment. But like, honestly, it actually comes in a different like order. You know, it happens where it's like, Hey, I love Heavenly Father and I need to be attached with him. Let's do this. And then it's like, Hey, I need to love myself. I need to be my own best friend. I need to be my own bodyguard. Let's do this. And then it's like, Oh, Hey, I need to be this wife person, this like spouse, this like this person that is another person's person, right? Like like that's the most clear I can say it. Like my eternal companion, my partner, my my person that I like am always like that you become one with, right? 
you cleave unto them, you become one flesh, you become each like a complete separate entity as a unit together, right? Like you are your separate people when you're not together, but then once you're together, you are something completely different as a unit moving forward. Like like you are each other's business, right? And 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 then let's do this, right? Like and it's a beautiful journey. It's like like I don't know. Sometimes I get into this culture or like pattern where I read a bunch of parenting books and I read a bunch of homeschool books and I guess get a little flustered out of it because none of them really tap into the 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 level of all of the other things that come before a person can even do the parenting thing, do the homeschool thing, which is like a solid relationship with Heavenly Father, a solid relationship with themselves, and a solid relationship with their spouse, and like a solid experience where they can just then bring that to the children, and then, you know, and then go f- for forward and serve in the community, for example, you know, and, and be of service to, you know, like the bigger public and the world and all of those other things, right? And so then it's like, yeah, like, of course, right? Like, I just kind of feel a little jaded sometimes when I get too, too into other people's literature about self-help and self-development because I, it, it bugs me. It's like one of my big pet peeves when they don't mention all of those other holistic aspects of what it takes to be able to get to this certain goal. I understand that everybody, they only have like, I don't know, 100 words or 500 words they can pump into their book. And maybe they're just so focused on that topic to be like, oh yeah, help yourself do this goal by doing X, Y, Z. And like, there's here's 100 ways to get there, right? And when they focus so much on like the on that like narrow-minded kind of perspective of it, it just bugs me so much because it's just like, I realize, like for me, like, because I take things by face value, right? Like if I was just this naive person reading this book, I would just read it and then be like, um, excuse me? Like, it's not working. And then I would feel like I was somehow at fault because I didn't know how to, I wasn't like literate enough to know how to read it and and perform the things that they said to do but when really it was actually maybe at their fault to not even include all the other aspects of a person's life that needs to be in alignment so that they can even get to the point of reading that book and be able to get the most out of it to then actually take the, those next steps and and make it work for them right so those are some things that I'm thinking about right now I was grateful that I got to do some of the dishes before it was time for me to do the band-aid boo-boo, boo-boo bear business, and then the nursey business, and I'm just doing the nursey business right now, because I'm a nursey, and I have an t- almost two-year-old, um, so the longest I've been able to nurse one of my babies um, was like two and a half years, that was awesome, like awesome, I kind of had told myself when I first started having babies, I was like, you know, reading books about how long people nurse for, and there's some moms that are like, yeah, we nursed our babies until they were eight years old. <laughs> I remember reading that and being like, really? <laughs> so I guess kind of naively, I was like, yeah, I could probably do that. I could probably nurse my babies until they're eight, right? Not really knowing what that would totally pan out to look like. So then, you know, when I have my first baby and then we're nursing, and then it just came to be where there were certain times around our nursing journey together where it was like, you know what? I really need a break. I need to be gone for like a week or two weeks or like, yeah, week or two weeks. And then every so often when I did that, they would just kind of wean off. And so then that's what happened when it was like two and a half years. We were going to volunteer at this like youth camp and dropped off child over at like family members. And they just like 
had the food they had and we just did our thing, came back and they didn't want to nurse anymore. So I was like, okay, like no big deal. It was like two and a half years. That was just like a good chunk of time, right? Because my big deal was like, I, I loved what I learned about the nursing relationship that people would talk about. You know, everything from like medicinally, how like basically in a mother's milk, there's everything that the baby needs for them to like basically have all their vitamins and minerals for that age. And I just thought that was so beautiful, the way Heavenly Father created mother's bodies in a way to be so interconnected with their babies, to be able to offer something that is so perfect for their babies, like exactly perfect for them. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. Why would I ever want my child to not have their vitamins or their minerals for their body to function properly? I'm like, well, yeah, like why wouldn't I ever be nursing them? Like why would I stop at 18 or eight? Why wouldn't I stop at like 18, right? <laughs> and it's like, um, but then after a while, like, you know, having my first baby doing the two and a half year thing, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, like this is an okay time to stop. Um, so I wasn't like remorse. I wasn't like sad that like they didn't nurse past two and a half years or something like that. I was like, yeah, okay. And then by the second child, it was like they, they nursed until they were like 16 months or something, 13, 14 months. Then the third, it was like same time, 13, 14, 15 months. Then the fourth child, I'm pretty sure she nursed until she was two. I'm pretty sure. That was like such an accomplishment because I think she was about two when I started becoming pregnant. And my milk always changes flavor or something like that for the baby once I become pregnant with the next child. So then it just kind of teeters them a little bit and it makes it like a very, kind of disrupts their, their habit and pattern with that. So then by the time I was pregnant with the fifth, the fourth one was like, eh, I'm not so interested anymore, right? Like just still a little bit, but not really. Like, like when that girl turned two, seriously, she's like, oh, I'm gonna potty train, right? Like she just decided, she's like, I'm gonna start sitting on this. Like that was the week that she turned two. And then, and then also with the nursing thing, she just started to not really be attached to that. And then, and then now with this fifth child, it's like, you know, she's already been kind of like sitting on the potty sometimes, right? She's not even two and just kind of playing with that. And then, and like, and yeah, our nursing isn't, it's not like it's weaning. I wouldn't say it's weaning, but, but for sure, like, I'm not nursing her like every two hours for sure. It's probably like once every four, once every six, sometimes like once every eight, it feels like I'm like, when was the last time I nursed you? Like, I feel like the last time I nursed you was like the morning and then it's like nighttime time for bed. And then there she's having her next nurse. It's like, oh, okay, here we go. Like, this is one of those days. So anyways, a nursing relationship is so sweet because it's like, it's like I forget about it during times when I'm not nursing, but then when I'm nursing again, I'm like, oh, this is so sweet, which is so sweet to me because the first time I remember nursing, it was good, like, because I was like intellectually on that page to be like, yeah, I totally want to do this, right? And at the same time, it's like, you never, you're not used to using your body that way to be like milked, right? Like, you're just like, I remember the first times being like, I don't know if I'm okay with this. This is like really invading on my personal space, right? And then over time, like there was the whole experience of like cracked nipple experiences where like your, your body is so not used to it to the point where it becomes like chafed almost like, and like almost scratched and like, and, and cracks because it's so dry and it's just like being not abused, but just like very used, used 
and then and then getting through those experiences and then getting through the habits of children when they kind of start biting on you and then it's just like no 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 i am not getting bit anywhere on my body especially in those places right and so like i still remember the first times i was bit and i was like oh, how dare you like i was so bad and i would every time my baby bites me like they get so scared and i feel so bad because it's like like i don't want to be scaring children like that's not like why i came to the earth to scare children and at the same time like i don't know how else to respond when i get bitten like anywhere on my body especially parts of my body that i never dreamed i would ever get bitten right like and anyways Thankfully, all my babies understand quite clearly, quite soon, that, like, they don't want to make mommy mad, right? Like, they don't want to make mommy sad or mad, because that's terrifying, right? Like, <laughs> so then they're like, I won't bite you, mommy. I won't do it no more. Oh, mama, I won't bite you no more, right? They don't even know what biting is, but whatever it was, I won't do it, right? And so it's like, okay, you're sweet. Like, let's just keep going. I will keep nursing you. I know you'll grow out of it, and they do, you know, like they grow out of the biting phase. It's just kind of a sweet thing, and then it's just really sweet, right? Because it's like each of my children have learned how to like say nursing or nursey or or like do the sign language for it throughout their life as little babies, and then it's like they forget that it ever happened, right? Like it's like it's like they just wake up like one day and then they're like oh like baby's nurse from their moms like when did that ever happen and then you know like and then it's fun for me to talk to some other parent people and they actually have memories whereas just like they have memories where they're like oh yeah my first memory was going up to my mom and just nursing with her or like another child that was like able to talk he was like three or five or something and then they were all talking about their favorite time of the day or something, right? They're like, what's your favorite thing? Or what's your favorite time of the day? And the, and the child was like, they were funny. He's like, mommy's boobies. Like, <laughs> it was so sweet. I guess that's the way that they term their bodies, right? Like, everybody has their different slangs for different parts of their bodies. And in their family, I guess it was mommy's boobies. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Oh, yeah, they were talking about their earliest memory, and this three- or five-year-old boy or whatever was like, my earliest memory was mommy's boobies. Like, it was so sweet. I don't know why I love that story so much. I just do. It just washes me over with, like, a waterfall of, like, joy and splendidness because, one, I love that they can talk openly in their family about just body parts, life experiences, human experiences together as a family, like, you know, just that it's all a part of their family culture as they're just helping each other be raised, right? And then two, that they could actually even remember that memory, right? Um, she's saying something, but she's covering her mouth when I'm about to nurse. Okay. Um, and then three, I really loved it because like, it was just precious, right? Like people just, like as a 30-year-old person, you don't just like go and talk to people like that. But like as a three-year-old, five-year-old, that's how you talk. You just say what's in your head and you just say it. And it's just perfect. I just love the way that people are in the age that they are. Like it's just, I love when they are obviously the age that they are. I think that is a beautiful preservation of human um, potential, human... Um, honoring honoring of humanity 
when people are literally the age that they are and they just are, you know, they don't have to feel like they need to be younger. They don't have to feel like they're older and they just live the life that they are living as they are, as their age. And they just are like, it's just fine. I just think that's beautiful. And I have to say that because growing up so often, I had to feel opposite. You know, I always felt like, oh, I need to be older than what I actually am. I need to be like 10 years older than I am. I need to be 20 years older, 30 years older, whatever. When now it's like, you know, almost being 32. Now I'm getting into a place where it's like, oh, well, now I get to actually just live my age, right? Like, but also be okay that in living my age, there's some parts of my childhood or my upbringing that I need to rectify and make um, come to closure with, you know, in order to be able to live my age as well. And to be okay with that, right? Like, and, and not feel like so much like remorse or regret that I didn't, you know, I didn't get to learn the kindness song when I was three. I get to learn it when I'm 30, right? And it's just like, it's so sweet. It's like, I will be happy. I will be, I don't know. I don't know the whole song yet. I'm still memorizing it, but I'm just super delighted about that.